Hello everyone and thanks for tuning into the Modern Data Show. We hope you are enjoying these episodes and learning from these amazing guests that we have had on the show so far. For today's episode, we have Alex Dean, who is the co-founder and CEO of Snowplow Analytics, the behavioral data platform that transforms data into actionable insights. Snowplow has raised $55 million from investors including NEA, MMC and Atlantic Bridge after being bootstrapped for quite some time. Before founding Snowplow, Alex worked at a company called OpenX where he met his co-founder Yali and working at OpenX gave them an initial understanding of the open source business models and how you can grow from community to commercializing a business. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hi, Ayush. Yeah, great to, great to be on the show. Thank you for having me. So, Alex, let's start with the basics. Tell us about your journey on building Snowplow so far. Yeah, so I think you alluded to some of that that journey in, in your intro. It's been quite an interesting and lengthy journey. I mean, Snowplow's a, a commercial open source software company, and those kinds of companies typically have a kind of a longer gestation period as you're sort of working on on sort of project community fit and then figuring out how to how to commercialize those uh, those projects. So so yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. Um, like you said, Yali and I, so my co-founder Yali Sassoon, we met back in 2007. We've been working together ever since, and and met in a kind of open source ad tech business, uh, and learned a lot about open source. Learned a lot about kind of clickstream data um, technologies as well. And and then left that, went back into consulting in in London, doing these kind of customer 360 projects for for brands in the UK, and you know, but we wanted to build a a software company, and and uh, there weren't there weren't a lot of startups in in London back then, so uh, we knew we sort of had to had to build one ourselves, and yeah, we spotted this gap in the market. So the brands we were working with, they had really good transactional data, and we could use that to get some insights on their customers, build a kind of a customer golden record. But we really wanted to add in the kind of behavior of those customers, the digital footprint of those customers as they interoperated, as they, as they worked through the, the customers, uh, the websites and, and the mobile apps of those organizations. So, so yeah, so we took our understanding of clickstream technology and made it run natively on AWS and open source that as Snowplow back in, in 2012. And, and that started to get the adoption that then kind of snowballed, pardon the pun into into what snowplow is today so yeah it was a it was a super fun time we were very early to the space before you know even redshift was launched and uh yeah it's been been a fun ride ever since amazing and how would you explain snowplow as a product in simplest term like what you know if you were to explain to someone like very new to the data industry how would you explain what snowplow as a product does so the way i would explain it is in, in 2022 everyone sort of adopted a kind of a modern data stack and they have a cloud data warehouse or a data lake, and they have very, very often they have some sort of ETL tool that gets data into that into that warehouse or lake, you know, a tool like Fivetran or Airbyte or, or Stitch or Matillion. And that's that's good. That gets you data out of your SaaS systems, out of your databases, replicates it, extracts it into your warehouse. But what that misses is the really, really interesting data that comes from like I said, your, your customers, your users, your viewers, your consumers, your merchants, whoever it is, um, your people fundamentally, um, interoperating, like working through interacting with your websites, your mobile apps, maybe some of your back backend systems. And so Snowplow um, helps you create that data. So we have a bunch of um, tracking SDKs that you embed into your digital properties and those generate net new data, um, behavioral data, very, very rich and high quality and schematized um data about your customer's own behavior 
And we flow that through, we validate it, we enhance it, we model it in the warehouse. And you can then use that to build really cool data products and data apps. And those are going to vary a lot based on based on your industry. But yeah, that's what Snowplow does. So um, the way we think of it is it's data creation and it sits alongside data extraction, data replication, and gives you the data that's very, very bespoke and proprietary to, to your business. Uh, who are the typical consumers of this data once you've generated them into the warehouse? So historically, there was a lot of general insights and BI workloads, people building reporting and insights off of the data. What we've seen emerging quite rapidly in the last couple of years is people building much richer kind of interactive data products. Some of those are operational, some of those are real-time, some of those are powered by machine learning or other AI. It's a bunch of different use cases now, but very, very typically the data is being integrated by data engineers, analytics engineers play a big part, data scientists. So all these people that are trying to build kind of differentiated data products off the data in the warehouse or lake house. Right. And, you know, we have seen in the recent history and there is a, there is a trend that has been happening like uh, previously CDPs or customer data platforms were, you know, typically owned by some third party, big third party companies where you would have a separate CDP platform where which would intend to act as a source of truth for everything around your customer. But they just become one more tool where you have all of your customer information. And this is a, you know, kind of shift that we have seen in the industry where we have taken a data warehouse first approach where the database or the data warehouse acts as a source of truth. Tell, you know, would love to hear your comments in terms of, first of all, why is this happening? Why is data warehouse becoming the heart of this, you know, modern data stack? Why uh, and what is the significant advantages that people would have having their data warehouse as their CDP rather than a third party 360 degree marketing kind of a, a customer uh, overview kind of a tool that they could implement separately. Yeah, so, so this is an area that's seen a, a huge amount of evolution and change in the last 12 months. And I think it's, I think it's only accelerating. So there's a, there's a few different strands, I think, to sort of pull on here. So one is it's just sort of being clear on the, on the terms because well, people get super confused about this sometimes. So um, Snowplow is all about creating this very rich customer behavioral data. And that's why we call Snowplow Behavioral Data Platform, because we, we help you generate, enhance, model that data, get it into the data lake or, or the data warehouse. So we are not a CDP. Like um, lots of our customers use CDPs along, alongside Snowplow. A CDP to us is a customer data platform that is primarily brought in by the marketing team to build some kind of single customer view and then to kind of activate that downstream into different marketing channels because you know the marketers are trying to uh, basically grow the business and 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 you know deploy advertising against you know rich audience segments and all that sort of thing the trend you you're, you're talking about in the market is is really interesting and it, and it's and it's very meaningful so the the way we see it at snowplow essentially we're on this kind of 10 year path to cloud data storage lakes and warehouses becoming this kind of central sort of source of truth, this central area where more and more kind of data unification and data mastering is going on. And inevitably that involves more and more customer data. And we as a vendor, as an open source project as well, that helps you get kind of customer behavioral data in, we're accelerating that trend. The other people accelerating that trend are, are the cloud data warehouses um, and Databricks as well. So essentially um, when we first shipped Snowplow 2012, 
you had to kind of work with the data in S3 using things like Athena and Hive, and it was pretty, was pretty, you know, difficult, unergonomic. In 2013, Redshift came out. Then a few years later, you know, BigQuery and Snowflake started to get a lot of adoption. Databricks are getting a lot of adoption now. And so all of all of those big uh, companies have been really working on like the cost, the ergonomics, the responsiveness, and making it much easier to make those data stores a really core central source of truth. So then, then it kind of comes back to the CDPs. And I think we're seeing a couple of really interesting trends. I think we're seeing some of the CDPs and marketing engagement hubs and, you know, people like Message Gears and Supergrain and Vero are starting to become data warehouse native so that they just literally sit on top of things like Snowflake and Databricks. And that's super interesting. And then you have reverse ETL vendors like Sensors and Hightouch who are making it easier to have your customer records in the warehouse and then send it on to other places. And I, th- I think we see that, you know, all, all of these trends are, are real. And for us, the most important point is that you do your customer mastering, you build your uh, customer behavioral profiles in the in the warehouse or the lake house. And then we think there's going to be a mix of different things downstream of that, um, that, that marketers want to use to then, you know, deliver on, on their goals. So we certainly don't see like the, the death of the CDP or anything like that. Companies have made really good investments in CDPs. We just think more and more CDPs are going to recognize that kind of data mastering and unification and the behavioral profiles are going to live inside, you know, Snowflake, Databricks, BigQuery going forwards. Yeah. And do you see uh, Snowplow going beyond data creation at some point to be able to capture that value chain? Do you see any kind of from a, your product vision perspective, from your product roadmap perspective, do you see taking any steps in that direction beyond data creation? So da- data creation is the heart of heart of what we do. And we're interested over the kind of the midterm and what other types of enterprise data we could create. In, in the short term, we need to just make sure that the behavioral data we create is really well set up for uh, you know, marketing and growth use cases downstream. So we, we definitely don't want to steal anyone else's lunch in the kind of MarTech or CDP spaces, but we do want to make it very kind of low friction to get the kind of customer behavioral profiles that are being built in the in the warehouse and send those on downstream to to, to tools. So yes, very interested in helping on that. Um, but we don't for a minute think that um, uh, you know the CDPs are are, are going to be di- displaced or should be. Yeah, and uh, you uh, you know you guys have been kind of very strong and vocal advocates about the whole concept of data creation within an organization, right? And one of the challenges for data creation uh, or having that you know, utopian view of your customer behavior data is a kind of a cultural or a people problem that you might have within those organizations. And you always end up seeing, especially personally talking about myself, I've always seen events like user clicked, user clicked underscore V2, user clicked underscore V2 underscore final. First of all, how does Snowplow as a product kind of address this problem around governance in terms of analytics tracking? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a it, it's a hot topic again, Ayusha, b- around this. So I, I think what we've seen over the last 10 years is a real kind of ebbs and flows around data quality, data governance, and schematization versus kind of move fast and break things. And it's really come back into being a hot discussion recently with Chad Sanderson, and he's been uh, doing, doing a huge lift to kind of get data contracts 
back out front and center as people think about this. I, I have a couple of different views on it. So one is I definitely see at a very early stage company that's pre-product market fit, you want to move fast and break things, you want to experiment, and you can end up, you know, just wanting to to, to track things really fast and uh, do that and want to do that in a low friction way. I think, however, there's a there's a point, and it's kind of earlier in the journey than than a lot of startups realize, where you've got to start moving into a more governance centric approach, data contracts, strong schematization, making sure that the data passing through the pipeline is well understood end to end. And, and the reason for that is that as you kind of grow up as a company, the uses of that data, the, the data products, the reporting become much more serious. And we have customers that use the, the Snowplow data for board reporting, for production, fraud detection, for like identifying high value customers, churn prediction. These are really serious use cases. And so I think that switch from permissive to wanting to be structured kind of needs to happen. And and then that brings you into data contracts world. And I think the increased work at the front end, at the data production end, is quite visible. But sometimes what's missed is how much time and energy and mistakes are saved at the data consumption end, which starts to really become a, a major saving. I'm glad you touched the point around data contracts, right? So uh, can you help us understand what exactly is a data contract and how does Snowplow's event-driven model kind of fits into this whole concept around data contracts? I think data data contracts to me are a combination of tech people, people, process, and, and technology. A data contract is really, to me, data producers and data consumers asserting that there are parameters, there are structures, there are expectations, if you will, um, around this data. And you're asserting those as a data producer and you're kind of enforcing them potentially as a data, data uh, consumer. So we, we love the kind of the discourse coming back to data contracts because philosophically we've been working on, on this since about 2015 when we put schema technology, built our own schema technology and then and baked it into Snowplow. And we were very influenced when we were designing Snowplow as a real-time engine with schemas in it, we were very influenced by the concept of happy paths and failure paths and kind of railway-oriented design where essentially if, you're, if your data fails validation, if you're in breach of contract, so to speak, then that data gets moved into a kind of a, a separate area for quarantine and then the organization figures out what to do with that and whether it can be recovered. So so yeah, we're, we're big believers in data contracts and I think it's more than just schematization. And so we've been, we've been doing quite a lot of work to help data producers. We just, we just shipped um, a tracking catalog inside our um, commercial product to, to help the, the producers. And you know, we're thinking a lot about how do we make things easier for the data consumers, given that this data is co uh, conforming to schema, how can we make it easier for the, uh, the consumers to work with it in, in DBT and things like that? So. It's a, it's a really fun space. We're happy to see the, the debate. Tell us more about the tracking catalog. What exactly is that? So the tracking, the tracking catalog is a way. So, so to, to zoom up a level, I think one of the interesting things about, about data, data mesh, um, and the idea of data producers and consumers is that, um, data mesh gets most interesting when you have very different data producers from data consumers. And a kind of a counterexample is Kafka. Very often in the Kafka ecosystem, 
it's the same persona who is the data producer and the data consumer. It's often even the same person. It's like Bob or Susan in the morning writes to Kafka and in the afternoon they read from Kafka. The, the, the kind of web and mobile behavioral data is quite different. Um, the, the data consumers are the, you know, the, the, the people that listen to this, this podcast. It's, it's data engineers, data scientists, analytics engineers. But the data producers are people that don't listen to this podcast. It's, you know, people that are just trying to like ship the, the latest version of like their Android app. It's people that are grappling with kind of a, a you know, a, a rewrite of their, their, their website or, you know, a move from one, you know, one front end to react or whatever. So it's a very different persona. And so the, the tracking catalog is a part of Snowplow that's built for that persona or, or those kind of, you know, those front, front end engineers, those kind of full stack web engineers, folks like that to try and kind of educate them and help them on the journey of creating structured data, structured events that are then much, much easier to consume on the, on the other end. And how does Snowplow enforce tracking catalogs? If there is anything that's out of catalog, what happens to that? So it all under the hood, it all flows through into our schema technology. So we've seen a few other people in the market work on tracking catalogs and things like that, which is cool. It moves the sort of the, the state of the art forwards, but it's really important to have like schema technology under the hood um, so that it's not a kind of, um, so that the tracking catalog doesn't get stale, so that it's an actual expression of, of the data flowing through the product. Right, right. Uh, and uh, does this uh, catalog gets updated automatically as in when the new events comes in? So it's it's monitored. Uh, so it's it's updated by the data producers, and then we also have some interesting features that are monitoring the data flowing through to see what actual events and entities are flowing through Snowplow and reporting that back. Right, right. So you know, moving on to a kind of a parallel question around this. So you know, off late, we have seen Google Analytics getting a lot of heat with respect to privacy. You know, there are vices in the organization that wants people to move away from GA or to do or to something that's doing a better job at privacy how do you guys think about privacy especially when you guys are collecting a lot of behavioral data where do you draw the line and what's your take on that so privacy is super super important and i think one one thing i'd always stress about snowplow is we are not we are not collecting you know any any data ourselves we're a software vendor and we have open source and then we have our commercial offerings but we're always just running the software for a brand, for an organization, and it's their data. It's, it's, it's the behavioral data of their own customers. Um, so it's not something that, you know, we have access to. It's not something we do anything with. Um, we're, we're a pure kind of, you know, data, data processor, control data in any way. Um, the, the evolution on, on the privacy side has been super interesting. So from a, from a Snowplow timeline perspective, we, we launched the open source in 2012. And then from 2015 onwards, we had a commercial offering where we would run Snowplow for customers in their own AWS account. And that's evolved up to today to be a kind of a private SaaS offering where there's, you know, a UI, there's an API, um, and that, that, that control plane is kind of centrally hosted, but the data plane is still inside customers own AWS or Google cloud account. Um, and so it's a, it's a really high ownership model. And the, the, the behavioral data being created is being sent to that brand's own endpoint. So, you know, events dot modern data stack XYZ or, or whatever. Um, and so that, that model's always been really, really strong about data ownership. We've got a new version of Snowplow, a hosted version of Snowplow that we're 
we're working on now, it's in private preview and, and we'll go into general availability early next year. But even that version, you know, we're still just kind of processing the data and then landing it into people's own Snowflake data warehouses. So we're not the data controller on that either. So it's kind of interesting. I think to take it back to Google, you know, GDPR was, was launched a few years ago. Different countries in Europe are interpreting it in different ways. And a lot of those interpretations are, are quite unfavorable to Google Analytics specifically. And so that's leading companies in, in Europe and, and increasingly in the US as well. We're seeing that in, in the US with global brands uh, headquartered in the States as well. It's leading them to think really hard about, about where they go from here. And, um, and from a Snowplow perspective, what we're seeing is some of those brands are not very data mature and they really just want, you know, a packaged web analytics, digital analytics tool, um, that is more compliant or held to be more compliant by, by authorities. And so they're going in one direction. However, a bunch of other organizations, um, in the last few years, they've really gone up the data maturity curve. They made big investments in Snowflake or Databricks or BigQuery. And they're now thinking, well, hang on. What if we sort of, you know, reimagine our digital analytics needs uh, inside the warehouse and use something like Snowplow to, to power that and then, you know, kind of BI tooling, ML tooling on, on, on the back end to, to serve those use cases. So that's really exciting for us. So we're having some awesome new customers out of that. And from a product perspective, one of the other tools uh, in the event tracking industry, popular tool called Segment. If you look at segment, they have a lot of SaaS destination where they delivered this analytics or event data to. Uh, did you guys took a conscious decision to not support, uh, you know, various other SaaS tools for delivering this events data and just keep kept focusing on data warehouse? Uh, if so, why? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And segment grew up a, pretty much alongside us. So I think they started in 2013. A lot of the analytics and data players in this space starting in 2012, 2013. I don't, I don't know what was in the water back then. Um, but Segment kind of evolved on a different tech, tech tree from us. They, they went much more with the kind of mixed panel, unstructured um, JSON event tracking approach. Um, but they did something quite powerful, which is they, they relayed the data, those events into lots of different SaaS tools. And we took a different path. We were much more focused on the kind of data and analytics teams and their use cases, which were much more around reporting off of the data in the data warehouse. And we we did look at at that area, that that concept of relaying into a lot of different um, SaaS tools a few times over the years. And we do have um, we do have an integration and solution with Google Tag Manager server side um, that that does that. But to be honest. We think that that is, is less of a priority because essentially, because of that point around the warehouse or, or the data lake becoming the central source of truth. So what we see is you want to get all your data, behavioral data, your transactional data, your demographic data. You want to master that data. You want to build these very rich customer behavioral profiles. And then you kind of want to activate those downstream into different tools, but you don't really want your event flow sitting in like 10 different downstream SaaS systems because, I mean, you're going to pay for those events 10 times over, but more importantly, you're going to have a very siloed experience and, and, and none of those 10 tools are going to deeply understand a unified view of that customer. The emergence of reverse ETL about 15 months ago, Census and High Touch and a couple of other players was great for us in terms of, you know, 
getting the market understanding and accelerating this this view of like, no, you build your rich customer behavioral profiles inside the warehouse uh, or lake house, and then you activate downstream. I agree. You know, both both these technologies, reverse ETL, uh, you know, census hydrosis you mentioned is a very strong validation of your hypothesis in terms of how the CDP should be organized. So that, that's a fair point. Uh, so moving along the same direction, like what do you see next from a product perspective for Snowplow? What, what are the cool things that are coming, you know, early Q1 next year? What are the cool things that you guys are working on? Yes, yeah, so there's, a, there's a couple of um, really fun things. So I mentioned uh, BDP Cloud. So that's our hosted version. And it's really exciting because we've never had it before. So we've always had the open source and we've had the kind of uh, private SaaS, uh, more like enterprise flavor. And so it's super exciting to build this kind of m- middle skew, if you will. And uh, we think that's going to get some exciting adoption. And we think we're going to learn a lot about kind of what are the, you know, what are the kind of friction points or uh, the more fiddly things in a, in a Snowplow setup that people want us to automate away. So that should be really, really good. And we want to build that in a way that gives people a lot of control. So it still needs to feel like Snowplow. It needs to feel like you're getting a full Snowplow experience. It's just, you know, you don't have to have, you know, your own like AWS sub account or your own like um, SREs working on this or, or whatever. So that's quite exciting. The other big piece that, uh, that we've been working on is a kind of a library of what we're calling data product accelerators. So essentially what we found is that there's a kind of a, 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 a blank sheet of paper problem um, in this space where, you know, there's, there's great data teams. They've got some great tooling, flowing some great data into uh, warehouses but they don't necessarily know how to get from that into you know rich use cases sophisticated insights ml powered data products operational analytics you name it and so so the, the data products accelerators are, are basically kind of rich templates that use snowplow plus other technologies like um snowflake and uh dbt and databricks and high touch and streamlet you name it um, and, and basically sort of show the art of the possible and show show you how to get started. They're kind of like hello worlds, if you will, but uh, for data products. And we've sort of been pioneering this, working quite closely with with um, uh, the, the, the big kind of centers of data gravity. But we've been pioneering it because we just haven't seen a lot of this out in the market. We haven't seen other other kind of modern data stack vendors doing a lot of this. And so we just see a lot of people ending up having to recreate the wheel and we see that a lot with our customers so so yeah we're very excited about that library that's very interesting and i can uh, uh, see a lot of potential um, kind of you know hello worlds uh, use cases upfront as well uh, tell us uh, you know a w- w- little bit more about your decision of launching the cloud so apart from the cost of ownership for an open source project what do you think are the kind of key benefits for any customer to even go and try Snowplow Cloud? Uh, so I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. So I think for us um, and for, for our kind of user base, it's going to open up a sort of a new path to trying out Snowplow. So um, essentially, you know, the open source is really powerful, but it's a bunch of Lego bricks and bringing them together is, is fairly complex. And a lot of people just want to get their feet wet and, and try this out. And um, we actually launched a kind of a, a fully hosted sandbox environment called uh, Try Snowplow early last year. And that did really, really well. And, and there's a lot of people that are trying it out. And then they just want to move into some sort of structured way of of, of working with us and 
uh, and paying for snowplow. So, so that's a big thing. I think it's going to open up some interesting market segments for us. So we're seeing some agencies signing up, marketing agencies signing up to the the private preview. Uh, we think that smaller data teams in 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 earlier stage startups are going to start looking at this as well. So so yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. Right. And we talked about a lot of evolution that has happened in the modern data stack from CDP, warehouse, river, CTL. What do you think or where do you think the modern data stack is heading towards in 2023? What are the, uh, you know, what are the some things that you, you, you have a feeling that we would see a lot of activity as we come into the new year? And what are the kind of things that you think are kind of, you know, the noise around that going to go down in next year? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. Prediction-wise, prediction-wise, I'll call out two things. So the first is, I think this idea of being data warehouse-backed or, or lake house backed I think that's a real, a real runner. I think that's going to grow and grow. Would you see applications being built on the top of data warehouse? Yeah, de- definitely. So I think, um, you know, I think more and more of CDPs and existing CDPs and even new entrants to the to these spaces are going to say, "Well, hang on, if if this organization is doing the kind of data mastering in Snowflake or Databricks or whatever, um, and if if there are very rich unified customer behavioral profiles being built in there, then." Why don't I just treat that as, you know, the data model and treat that as the data store? And I, I think that vendors doing a lot of kind of shadow copying into their own kind of their own databases behind the scenes. I think, you know, that, that will, that will come under a bit more pressure. So I think that's one interesting trend. The other trend I think I, uh, I think is going to increase is we've been in a bit of a honeymoon period where data teams have been growing. Uh, they've been staffing up and um, they've been given budget to, you know, build the kind of platonic modern data stack and have a bit of everything, you know, have a bit of data quality, a bit of observability, a bit of extraction, a bit of replication, uh, a bit of catalog, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that's going to come under more pressure as the macro environment changes and becomes much more demanding. And so I think we're going to see a couple of things. I think we're going to see, you know, the kind of lines of business saying, well, hang on, we've been tasked with some aggressive, you know, growth or savings or whatever it is. Can we use the kind of data investment we've made over the last few years to power that? So I think lines of business are going to be coming to the data team much more aggressively over the next next 12 months and, and asking for stuff and asking for, you know, significant new data products and apps and things like that. And then I think on the kind of um, modern data stack budget, if you will, I think there's going to be more pressure to sort of prove that the individual components are, you know, moving the needle are an important part of delivering that those end-to-end use cases at quality and velocity and all that kind of stuff. So, I think there's just going to be more, you know, more demands fundamentally on on, on modern data teams and, and and their tooling. Wow, that that was really insightful. So I uh, so Alex, I think so as we come close to the end of the show, any parting thoughts that you would like to share with our audience in terms of uh, anything specific to, you know, Snowplow or any upcoming uh, features or, you know, uh, any, 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 any activity from Snowplow that, uh, you know, people should be watching out for? Uh, I, I mean, I just, like always, I'd love to like just thank the Snowplow community and our customers and our, and our partners. And, and you know, um, it's been really fun bringing these kind of sort of data product accelerators together and, and, and getting more 
you know, sleeves up with uh, partners and, and, and testing it, testing those out with customers. So yeah, just a big thanks to the whole ecosystem and, and a big thanks to you, Ayush, for, for all your work on the, on the modern data stack. Like it's a very, it's a very complicated space and, and you've done a huge, you've done a huge <laughs> lift you, in Alex. terms of making it way more tractable and you know i think i think everyone in the space and, and definitely all the vendors owe you owe you a big uh, debt of gratitude for, for clearing it up for people thank you so much alex thank you so much for having uh, giving your time for for the episode alex uh, it was such a pleasure having you thank you thank you very much for having me on